Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. Welcome to everyone who's watching. Welcome to everyone who's listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you guys haven't already, please be sure to hit that like button. Help out the algorithm. Help this show grow. Hit that uh, subscribe button and also hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you're listening on uh, the podcast, be sure to... Hit that follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Got a lot to talk about today. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar called out in NBA players who remain unvaccinated. We have Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants, ripping. Yes, ripping analytics, even though he has quite the losing record as a head coach in the NFL. We'll talk about him a little, a little bit. Also going to be talking about... Uh, the Bears, we got a few things to talk about in the Bears. One, their offensive struggles and the desire, the need, the the utter contempt also towards Bears head coach Matt Nagy. We'll talk about that. And the Bears might get a new stadium. That's going to be in, in the news as well. KD Nolan leaving ESPN and much, much, much more right here on Real Take Sports Talk Live, episode 57. We are 57 episodes deep, and there's no better way, honestly, to start than with football, I think. Or at least I think, guys. I think football is the way to go. So let's start talking about football. And let's talk about the one, the only, the infamous Joe Judge, who is, in case you didn't know, the head coach of the Giants. A lot of people seem not to know his name. But uh, but anyway. So uh, Joe Judge was apparently asked by reporters about what he thought about analytics. You know, and this is refers to his decision not to go for it on fourth down and and in their previous game. So he was asked about whether going for it on fourth down was kind of an analytical decision or whether those decisions are made in some other method. And Judge apparently brought up Microsoft Excel of all things. He says analytics is just a tool. You can look at it at it. Ah, you can look at a stat sheet, he says. But ah, we're going to redo that for everyone who's listening because I messed that up. I bumbled that up fumbled that up I don't know um but anyway so Joe Judge <laughs> Joe Judge was asked about analytics and he gave one of the worst answers I've ever heard he said that analytics is quote just a tool which it is but he went on to say you can look at the stat sheet all you want I promise you if Excel was going to win football games Bill Gates would be killing it right now but you've got to take those numbers so so First of all, I want it to be known. Bill Gates is killing it. He's he's got 129 billion dollars to his name, Joe. So, you know, I I don't know that point right there. Ah, non-starter right there, my guy. I don't know what you're trying to get to there. Bill Gates is definitely killing it. Number two, Joe Judge said that an analytics. You know, you can look at the statute all you want, but it it's not going to win you football games. There's a lot of teams who use analytics, and and look. One one thing is true. Analytics won't win you football games, but I'll tell you this. Joe Judge ain't win you football games either. As the as the head coach of the New York Football Giants, Joe Judge is 6 and 13, including 0 and 3 to start this year, which this year was supposed to be a pivotal year for the New York Giants. They had their quarterback. This is the fourth uh, third or fourth year you have your quarterback now. You are seem to be building this team. You've been trying to build this offensive line for the past 3 years. And apparently, you haven't been able to do that because you guys suck. So, the team sucks. You guys are in these close games and you can't finish. So, 
Joe Judge can say the analytics don't win football games, and I'll agree with this. I will say this. If you're if you're entire thing if your entire uh game plan is 100% based around analytics all the time then yeah that's not going to win you football games by itself but analytics plus the talent plus the understanding of situations that's going to win you football games that's been proven look at the Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens are one of the most uh analytical football franchises there are right now they understand analytics. They use it. John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, refers to it more than any other coach. They refer they refer to the stat sheet. They refer to what works in certain situations for them, what doesn't work for certain situations for their offense. And they're at the forefront, honestly, of the league and a lot of that kind of stuff. And they know when they're going to go for it, when not to. Now, that doesn't mean if your team is is doing really well in a situation where you think you're going to go for it. That I mean, doesn't mean you don't go for it. You're going to go for it in those situations. But Joe Judge out here is judging analytics, and he's taken, it's like, he's taken this stance against analytics. These comments are 100% foul by someone like Joe Judge because if he was winning, he might have a leg to stand on because the analytics, apparently, he doesn't use them and they're not hurting the team. But being the head coach of the New York Football Giants, apparently he's hurting this team because he can't get them to win. They're in these close games, game after game after game, and he is not helping them finish. Does that, does that also involve the talent on the team? Absolutely. The team is not as talented as many other teams there are uh, out there in the NFL. But Joe Judge also isn't a good head coach. And I think we know that. I, because good head coaches, you know what they do? They rally their team to wins. And Joe Judge doesn't do that. And maybe, who knows, maybe the Giants could use some analytics. Maybe they, they could use some analytics. Maybe they should look at the stat sheet. Maybe they should look at how Joe Judge, who comes over as a Bill Belichick uh, assistant. The, all these Bill Belichick assistants getting head coaching jobs, by the way. The, the only one that's really worked out that I can think of is Brian Flores down in Miami. And even then, he's only like two years in. So we'll see what happens with him. But he's the only one I can think of that's actually worked out. You go through the rest of them. Matt Patricia, bar, burned out. Uh, even Romeo Cornell, who's a great coordinator, not good head coach. You go to Eric Mangini, good coordinator, bad head coach. Josh McDaniels, great coordinator, Bad head coach. Joe Judge, I think he was what? He's a special teams coordinator. I'm sure he was a great coordinator. He's a bad head coach, though. He's a bad head coach. He's, he doesn't want to look at analytics. Yeah, sure, Joe, don't, don't look at analytics. I'm telling you, man, they could probably use some analytics that, up in New York. It's not going to hurt you at this point because you're already doing everything else wrong. This team has done everything else wrong for the past three, four, five, six, seven years. Ever since they had that that playoff disaster in 2016. Ever since then, this team has just been on a downhill spiral. They had the opportunity to to fix it, and they haven't. Joe Judge comes over as a Bill Belichick uh, assistant, and people think, oh, he's going to... Give us, give us a year. He's going to be the next best thing. We gave him a year. Go six and ten. Somehow, one game out of the playoffs. Okay, Giants fans still going to complain about not making the playoffs because that's what they do. They all, all they do is complain. Uh, even though you won six games, win one more goddamn game. But okay, let's see what he does the next year. Starts off zero and three. Now, I'm not calling for him to be fired. Like I, I want to make that clear. I'm not calling for Joe Judge to be fired. But who the hell is Joe Judge to to? judge people who use analytics who the hell is joe judge to say that analytics don't win football games because 
I'll tell you this, Joe. They win more games than you do. And look, I'll say this. The use of analytics in sports, it is a tool. It is 100% a tool, and I'll agree with him to this extent. You can't use analytics and just analytics and solely rely on that. But analytics combined with experience, combined with knowing what to do in certain situations, combined with great play calling, combined with great coaching, combined with talent, analytics helps you tremendously because it already you want you already understand these situations in your head what works and what doesn't work so you so the decisions somehow sometimes are automatically made for you on the flip side analytics also provide you with you know situational tools they also provide you with with the most the options that work optimally given your situation so they are a tool that I think you should use Maybe, who knows, maybe, maybe if Joe Judge used those in the first few games, maybe, maybe if we stopped, if they stopped, if they knew the situation and they looked at the analytics of running uh, soft coverage in the fourth quarter uh, on the last play of the, or on the last drive of the game during that Washington game, maybe they would have won. Maybe, maybe. Throwing screen passes on, what was it, 3rd and 18 or whatever? Maybe throwing screen passes on 3rd and 18 against a weaker defense? Maybe maybe you don't do that. Maybe if you look at the analytics, I think you're like, the analytics could have told you that, Joe. Unbelievable, this guy, Joe Judge, man. Unbelievable, this guy. The gall of him. The gall of him. This guy who who hasn't even won 10 games. Who hasn't even won... Fuck 10 games. The guy, This guy who doesn't even have... He has double, over double the amount of losses th- that he does wins. You ain't got... No, you got you don't got a leg to stand on, Joey boy. Mm-mm-mm. Not a single one. And look, I like the Giants. Danny, Danny Dimes, I don't think, is the problem in New York. I think he's just not a franchise quarterback. That's a whole different thing. But he's not the problem in New York. Joe Judge and and the culture that the that the New York Giants have down there definitely is part of the problem. But y'all, let me know what you guys think. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that no- so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's move on, everyone, um, and talk about one of the main topics for today. And this is something that that you know is divided a lot of people on the internet. I've gotten a lot of of comments about it on my on my internet or on my Twitter and, and everything. But uh yeah, sorry. Don't look at your text messages during a podcast, people. That's a very rude thing to do and I apologize for that. <laughs> anyway, um anyway, so 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 there's a lot of hollow about what's going on in the NBA. And Kareem Abdul Jabbar is one of the most prominent players to speak or former players rather to speak out about it. So the NBA comes down with this ruling that unvaccinated players will not be paid for games they miss in this upcoming season in either San Francisco or New York. And for context, San Francisco and the city of San Francisco and New York, they have said that for players who play in the stadiums there, who who attend those games, if they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to enter the building. Therefore, they're not allowed to play. So there's there's basically a vaccine mandate there. And that is for the protection of other players, protection of the fans, protection of ev- for everybody. So there are some players and there's some advocates out there who are saying that they should they these players should have a right not to be vaccinated and blah blah blah. Well, one former player, one former player, uh, you might know him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
made some noise this week and when he said this about NBA players. He said, quote, the NBA should insist that all players and staff are vaccinated or remove them from the team. He goes that far. He calls for removing them from the team. He said, quote, there is no room for players who are willing to risk the health and lives of their teammates, the staff, and the fans simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the research. Now, here's the big question, right? Do or is or Kareem's comments fair or foul? Now, there's there's an argument to be made about whether or not they should play. I think that. Whether or not they should be on the team, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you don't even need to go that far. I I personally think if they if they don't get the vaccine, don't play them. And the NBA is more than in their right to to have that be uh, a mandate, you know. And and that's the other question: Should players be forced to get the vaccine? Here's what I will say: I'm going to be very clear. I'm not going to name specific players. They've already been named a lot in the media. I'm not going to pile on even more to that right now. I've already talked about this in other videos. But players who don't get the vaccine, in my opinion, and in the opinion of facts, are a danger. Are a danger to spread the virus, mutate the virus, more so than players who are not vaccinated. They are in more danger to suffer from covid than other players are and other fans are and vaccinated fans especially are so okay if they don't want to get vaccinated you don't need to force them i'm not going to hold you down and put the needle in your arm no but if the nba decides that they don't want players to play or they're they're not going to allow you to play that's on you because you are presenting a clear and present danger. That's true. You are presenting a clear and present danger to those around you. There's a reason you got these protections in there, all right? Like, again, you're more than your right to not want to. But the thing is, if we're, it, I'm, and I'm not going to get into an argument about facts or, or what, what have you. The facts are very clear that these vaccines work and they're effective. That, that's just the truth. And if you don't, and if that's not your truth, okay, okay cool don't listen to facts that's fine um but the thing is it's like it's like this it's if a football player right if a football player says you know i don't want to wear this helmet i want to wear you know a, a less protective helmet than what the league has regulated right if a football player said that the league's going to be like okay cool that you yeah yeah that is more than your right to do that you're not playing on sunday though you're not suiting up and going on the field on Sunday. That's just not happening. But okay, yeah, you can do that. Go more power to you. It's exactly what this is. It's exactly what this is. More power to you for for believing in what you believe and 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 rejecting uh, one of the biggest accomplishments in Western medicine in ever. Cool. You're not playing. You're not presenting a danger to the fans. That's a liability. You're not presenting a danger to the other players. That's a liability. You're, you're not doing any of that. And look, I am someone who believes greatly in p- player empowerment. And this is what I got. I got involved in an exchange online about player empowerment. Somebody was telling me that we should empower players to make their own decisions about their health. And I said, 
Okay, yeah, sure. We should empower players to make their own decisions about their health. It is your decision if you are a player and you don't want to get vaccinated. Cool. That's your decision. And it's the decision of the NBA. It's the decision of 90% of the NBA players to get vaccinated. And it's the decision of the NBA to say, okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a risk to other people in the stadium or other people around you. And and the idea of player empowerment. I will always empower a player to do something if, if to for their benefit. I will always empower if if there's players, whether they play football, basketball, whatever. I will empower them to do things that are in their benefit. If players want to get paid more for for putting so much time in a sport, for for putting their bodies through hell every single day to stay in shape, to stay on the top of their of their athletic pinnacle, if if I'm going to empower them to get paid as much money, as much of the pie as possible, most of the pie if possible, always. If players want to practice less, I'm going to I'm going to uh, empower them to do that. If players want to to maximize their potential, maximize their earnings, I'm always going to be behind that. Anything that benefits them. But pl- if you're telling me that player empowerment is empowering someone to make a decision that is bad for them, that science proves is bad for them, that basic logic proves is bad for them, I'm not going to empower someone to do that. That's not empowerment. I am not going to empower someone to do something that is not only detrimental to themselves, but other people around them. I will never be in favor of that, and no one should. I will always be in favor of empowering people who are going to be exploited. If the NBA players associate, or if the if the NBA tomorrow tries to negotiate something or tries to say that the players need to get paid significantly less of the pie, like thirty percent less of what they're getting paid now. Absolutely, I will be the first person calling out that bullshit. But if you're telling me I should empower players not to be vaccinated uh, it, to protect themselves from a from a new disease that is ki- that has killed six hundred thousand people here, millions around the world, and done God knows what to peep to people's immune system in the long term, nah, nah, not gonna. I'm not down with that. And look. You, if you don't agree with me, cool. That's your right. Don't agree with me. I'm not going to tell you not to listen to my show if you don't agree with me. That's fine. You can you can cl- you can clear this segment out of your mind, whatever you want to do. But don't come out here and tell me to that I'm not empowering players by making them or by by or I'm not empowering players by not agreeing with decisions that they're making that are actually not benefiting them. And this is not a thing. If, if, if there were players out there who have genuine reasons not to be vaccinated, and there are very few reasons, very few, but there are genuine reasons. There's issues with blood clots and, and all those types of things. And, 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 you know, again, those are very case-by-case basis, and they're very rare. But if there's a real reason for you not to get vaccinated, okay, go. But if it's just one of those things where you don't agree and you can't really name or you can't really say real facts about it and you're just doing dumb emotional releases. I'm, I got nothing for you, man. I got I really got nothing for you. I got no sympathy for you. I'm not going to help someone uh, be a danger to other people. I'm not going to empower you to do that. Um, and we got some comments that are going to be removed from the chat. Because it's my show and I can do whatever I want. 
players have the right to do whatever they want with their body. I'll tell you that. Players definitely have the right to do with whatever they want with their body. Everyone has the right to do whatever they want with your body. 100%. As long as it's... And the NBA has a right to say that you can't play if you're not if you're a danger to other people. Just like colleges have the right to say you can't come if you don't get your uh, flu shots updated. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. But, hey, it, again... If you want to walk, if you if you want to go to another country uh, that has malaria outbreaks all the time without getting a malaria vaccine or a shot, cool. That's your right. They're not going to let you in a lot of those times, but cool. <laughs> it's just laughable. It is just laughable. Again, the, the the player empowerment. It's not player empowerment. Player empowerment. That's a that's an abuse of the term of player empowerment. That is it, it's gross. Actually, when I think about it, it's actually gross. Anyway, let's move on and talk about something a little more lighthearted. Let's talk about my favorite channel. Psych, not my favorite channel. Let's talk about ESPN because uh, they, someone very important just left ESPN. <sighs> one of ESPN's best on-air personalities has now... Ah, one of ESPN's best on-air personalities has announced that she is leaving the station. Katie Nolan is now leaving ESPN. She will be joining Fox Sports later on this year. Nolan hosted podcasts titled uh, such as Sports, Always Late. Uh, she also made appearances on Always Questionable. Nolan's move to from Fox Sports to ESPN was celebrated in the media circles. However, despite a contract that paid her over $1 million a year, she was never really featured as much as she probably should be. She, no, she stated this on Twitter. I thought about sending this tweet for weeks. I still have no clue about how to make it uh, about. And there's there are just noises in the background. Great, great. Thank you, people. Anyway, um, so Katie. OK, so anyway, Katie Nolan is leaving ESPN. I completely fudged that up. Whatever. I don't care. It's one of those days. Katie Nolan is leaving ESPN. She wrote a tweet where she said, I've thought about sending this tweet for weeks. I still have no clue how to make it not make you all roll your eyes, she said. And she went on to say, alas, the obvious thing has happened. I no longer work at ESPN. I'm grateful for my time here. I made incredible friendships and valuable mistakes that she said she learned from and Wish her luck in her career. Uh, Nolan's move from Fox Sports to ESPN was celebrated in media circles. However, despite having a contract that paid her $1 million a year, she was never really featured as much as she probably should be. And it, it's this is a growing trend you're seeing uh, from ESPN. You're seeing a lot of popular on-air personalities. Katie Nolan, by the way, is one of those very popular on-air personalities. She, in my opinion, was one of the more talented people on ESPN for a very long time that I wished I saw more. I wish that she had her own show uh, that was featured more prominently I, because she was funny. She was energetic. She actually broke things down in more of an uh, analysis-based argument instead of just, you know, doing what normal people on ESPN do, which is just make emotional responses and yell into the mic, which I do sometimes from time to time. But, hey, but she was she was different, and, and she stood out in, in, in a field of people who, who just – tended to be very much the same mold. Like there's a lot of people at ESPN who just kind of do this a very similar thing and they dig their heels into one stance or whatever as far as sports go. Like Cowboy Stephen A. Smith, he, he hates the Cowboys. That's his entire personality on on a lot of segments. Um, you know, so so but she was different and and I like that. And 
with her leaving now and and her having this the problems that apparently it looks like she did you know she like she talked about mistakes in there and I'm sure ESPN, a company that we know, especially over the past few months, has made a lot of mistakes, and we know have made a lot of mistakes in the past. I think this is troubling for ESPN because Katie Nolan is arguably now the hottest free agent there is as far as sports uh, in sports broadcasting. I think Katie Nolan could go to FS1, go back to Fox, and be really good. I think Katie Nolan could go to CBS and you know, maybe become the face of that network, that sports network, rather. There's a lot of things that she could do that I think she would be successful at. But for ESPN, this is troubling because we saw uh, a lot of people leave. Um, we saw a lot of people from from the NBA coverage leave this summer, a lot of talented people. And we're, and we're seeing, like, these mass exoduses. They let a lot of people, like Dan Lebatard a year ago, go. And... It seems like ESPN again has just doubled down on this whole this whole debate culture, this this hot take culture of 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 sports talk that has really made a lot of people reductive in the way that they view sports, really made a lot of people dim and 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 just just not being able to really see what good sports is or break down sports because they're not really seeing it from ESPN, which was once the worldwide leader in sports. Now it's just not what it used to be. Like FS1. FS1 does what ESPN does, but better. Undisputed is a vastly better version of First Take. Vastly better. It's not even close. Like, I would much rather hear Shannon Sharp, a person who actually played sports, uh, talk about sports than I would Stephen A. Smith or, or you know, uh, whoever else they got on there. Even Max Kellerman. I would rather hear um, uh, uh, Shannon Sharp than Max Kellerman. And and that's a problem. I would rather hear Nick Wright than than a Max Kellerman or a Stephen A. Smith. I would rather hear Chris Broussard talk to me about about sports and, and about basketball, especially than some of these other people they got on there. And that is an issue because ESPN started from a point of so much power as far as what their influence and what they meant to sports talk. And now that power has diminished vastly. And look, Fox Sports has invested a lot. They've invested a lot of money in getting people like Colin Coward, Skip Bayless, locking them in for years to come and making them the the faces of that network and really building a brand there and adding pieces like like Joy Taylor and, and other many others. But that that is also on ESPN. Those problems are also on ESPN. So so. ESPN should be concerned, and if you're somehow a fan of ESPN, you should be concerned because the shows are basically the same. They're all just reductive versions of First Take that are actually not even as good as First Take, and that's the other problem. So how do you fix it? You fix it by not just doing debate all the time. And even if you're going to do debate all the time, don't make, don't make it just a parody of something you've already done in the morning. You know, like like make it something different. Make it re make make arguments. Have the people really make arguments. Don't just do it for clicks because that's all ESPN does right now. Is they're doing everything for clicks or whatever. And the, and a lot of times they make emotional arguments rather than than statistically accurate arguments. And and based in that, and people they don't like to hear that. And the people who do, they become the toxic people in sports that that no one likes to talk to. So so the, so there's a lot of problems at ESPN. Uh, and and 
this is honestly a microcosm of what's happening. Because if you're going to drive someone like Katie Nolan away, man, your network is in for a lot of hard times. Is the American dream, thus the rose will say. Hard times, steady. Um, but yeah, a lot of... A lot of different, a lot of different takes here about this one. Um, let's move on and talk about uh, our last two segments today are going to be about one football team uh, in particular that I have wanted to cover for a while now. That team would be the Chicago Bears, or I should, should I say, formerly the Chicago Bears, soon to be the formerly Chicago Bears, because they might be moving out of Chicago. And that's a problem if you're a Bears fan. <laughs> um, before I do, though, be sure to hit that like button, guys. Help out the algorithm. Subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Hit that like button. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's talk about the Bears. So, bye-bye, Soldier Field. It looks like the Chicago Bears might be leaving Chicago. The team signed uh, a lease to purchase it. Or, sorry. I, I keep messing up. See, this is why I need a I need a co-host. I need a co-host on this show, don't I? I'm taking applications, by the way. Real take sports talk at gmail.com. Anyway, um, so it looks like the Chicago Bears might be leaving Chicago. The team announced that they had purchased a property in Arlington Heights, which is about an hour away from Chicago. Um, and it is the Arlington Heights International Race Course. The Bears have several years left on their re- lease in Chicago Park and Soldier Field. And the two sites besides were negotiating terms for a new deal when the team submitted a bid for this racetrack site. And look, put this in context, Arlington Heights is an hour away from Chicago proper. It's in the suburbs. It's very, very far away. It's going to be a pain for fans to get to. And the fact that they've already bought this property, it means the writing's on the wall. The Bears are no longer going to be in Chicago. The Bears are going to be the Arlington Night Bears. They're probably not going to change the name. I'm, I'm not saying that. But they're definitely not going to be in Chicago. And that I, I don't like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a Bears fan, but I hate the fact that the team is now going to be, what, an hour away? And it's I don't even know if it's that metro accessible or subway accessible. Um, so it, it's going to be a pain to get to the stadium. It's going to be more expensive to get to the stadium, and I'm sure with a new stadium, they always love to jack up those prices, so getting two games, spending money at games, all that stuff is going to be more expensive, and it's going to be a vastly different game day experience, especially considering the fact that if you've ever been to Soldier Field, it's it's a weird-looking stadium, it's a little older, but... It is one of the the more, I guess, historical uh, sites in as far as sports stadiums go. It's been around since the 30s. Granted, the Bears have only been there since the 70s. But, you know, when you think of, of the of the Chicago Bears, you think of Soldier Field. That's one of the first things you, you really think of. It's, that's how ingrained Soldier Field is. And if you've ever been to Soldier Field, too, it is on such a... It's, the location is like 10 out of 10 as far as... Stadiums go in cities. It is a 10 out of 10 location right on the waterfront, right in right in the middle, in the heart of the city. It is right there. It's easy to get to. Fans don't have to spend money on parking. They can get to it uh, via, via subway or via uh, metro, however they want to. And it's very easy to get to, so it's not that far away. You, know, you don't have to spend you know all that gas money going out there. A lot of people in the city, by the way, don't have cars. That's also a problem. So what do we think of this? I think it's a terrible move. 
I think it's a terrible move because you had the primetime location. You had great fans who keep coming back even after watching your product, which is shit, by the way. And now you're moving it far away. And, and it kind of reminds me of, uh, of the Washington football team. The Washington football team, they have a stadium, by the way, that is in Landover, Maryland. For anyone who, who doesn't know where that is, I lived in D.C. for a while. If you're in D.C. proper and you want to take the, the metro, which is like the subway, the train, over to uh, FedEx Field, it's and depending from where you're from, usually if you're if you're anywhere on a metro line in the city, it's gonna take you about one at least forty minutes, minimum forty minutes because they're so packed on Sundays. Forty minutes to get to a to the Landover Metro stop, and then on top of that, it's going to take you about another twenty to thirty minutes at least to walk over from the metro stop all the way down to the stadium, which is a wild, wild walk. You're walking right across people's houses, and it's not accessible for people who are who are in the city that you're supposed to represent. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves because you know what this does? And, and it, because it's also, this is also like a, a whole argument about, you know, rich versus poor because... You're, when you do things like this, when you move the stadium so far away, you know, more into the suburbs, um, it really cuts out an entire subsection of your fans because a lot of the lower income fans who are actually probably more local to the city and, and mean more to the city, they're going to be either priced out or it's going to be less accessible for them to get to uh, in a timely fashion. So they're going to choose not to go. And when you move out to the suburbs, you're trying to attract usually richer people, more affluent people. And it, it really it really cuts out an entire subsection of your fan fan base. And that's the alienation between the fans and the ownership that I've seen. Fans don't care. Or, or sorry, owners don't care about fans. Like, let's be honest about this. Owners really do not care about fans. Owners only care about their bottom line. And the Bears are no exception. The Bears are a team who have the, one of the, some of the most inept ownership in the entire league. The McCaskies... Would the, what the McCaskies have done would make old man House turn in his grave, because the McCa- what the McCaskies have done is they've allowed ineptitude, they've allowed mediocrity to just fester for so long, and here's and they're from their perspective, it's well the team's making the playoffs, they've made the playoffs two of the past three years. There's no reason to fire Matt Nagy or change GMs, even though if you watch the product on the field, you would 100% say. This team could be significantly better if they had a better head coach and if Matt Nagy was not on the play call. If he was not calling plays, this team would be extreme, extremely better. But instead, they're barely making the playoffs because they have an elite defense. They're still in games. And because the offense does just enough sometimes to win eight games a season, it is the they, they, team finished, winds up making the playoffs. And the McCaskies are like, well, we're making money and we're making the playoffs. And they're not football people, so what, what do they say? They say, oh, well, there's no problem here. We don't need to change anything. And that's the disconnect. That's the disconnect, and that's what bad ownership is. Good, bad ownership, there's two types of bad owners in the NFL. You have one, the owners who are, you know, very cut off from what's going on, and they only care about the money, and they don't care about winnings. Caskies would be a perfect example of this. The other bad owner, bad types of owners are the ones that are too involved. Take Jerry Jones. Take Shad Khan. The ones who are so involved in day-to-day operations and interfere in everything. 
that they just tank the team. The best owners, look at Art Rooney, look at uh, Steve Bishotti, look at type, those types of guys. Those are the types of owners that know how to hire good football people and know when their team's not needs a change. They hire good football people. That's why they don't change head coaches. They don't change GMs that often at all. Baltimore's only had three head coaches in the past 20 years. Two of them have had 10-plus year tenures. So look at that. Uh, the, the Steelers have had three head coaches, I think, for the past, what, 50 years? How many head coaches the Bears had in the past 10? There you go. Bad ownership at play. So, you know, so I, again, this move, this stadium move is just a bad move <laughs> in general. I'm not approving of it at all. And and I, I think it needs to it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed by fans. Fans, you got to speak out against this. You got to let them know that you won't tolerate this. And the city of Chicago needs to needs, needs to really buckle down on this one. Anyway, um, let's go to the chat real quick because I feel like we have some questions finally. Finally, by God, finally. We got some questions in the chat. Let's take a look at some of these. Um, so we got Ryan Woodridge in the chat. He's asking about Richard Sherman, who just signed a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So... That was an interesting move right there. I, I thought that was I, – I didn't know where Richard Sherman would end up, but I think uh, this actually is going to be a pretty good situation for him um, ending up in Tampa. So Richard Sherman signs with the – oh, Richard Sherman. Ah, I messed that up again. <laughs> Richard Sherman has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like the fit. I do like the fit of Richard Sherman um, in, in Tampa Bay. I, I think – He's going to be in a situation where he's going to be more of a situational player. Uh, you know, he'll come out you know, when, you know, if they need depth or or if they're going to be blitzing with their safeties or whatnot. I, I think he'll be more so of a of a situational player. Uh, his contract is currently one year about two, two and I think it's two point two five million dollars. Uh, I believe that's what Adam Schefter uh, tweeted out. So they're getting him for the cheap. They're getting good depth. 